Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning is Mark chapter 13, verses 1 to 8. I'm going to read verses 1 to 13. This is where Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple and talks about the signs of the times of the end of the age. Mark 13, verses 1 to 13. And I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's the word of God for the people of God. Now, you're probably sitting there thinking, okay, this sounds like an interesting message for Thanksgiving week, doesn't it? <laughs> but this is, this is part of the lectionary, and we're not only coming to the end of the church year, uh, we're not only coming to the end of the calendar year, but we're coming to the end of the church year. In fact, next week is the end of the church year uh, where we celebrate Christ as king. I don't know if you have a message planned for Christ as King, but, but pretty much most messages that, uh, that we preach uh, involve Jesus Christ as King. And then after that, we start Advent, which is the beginning of the new church year. So that's why this scripture is talking about the end. Last week, if you remember, Pastor Bill talked about salvation from the book of Hebrews. And he talked about really the definition, uh, among other things. But he says, salvation means to be redeemed, to be delivered from the consequences of our sin. 
And that's through faith in Jesus Christ. And we kind of continue on that subject a little bit here today. Part of our salvation has a past to it, a present to it, and a future to it. The past happened, of course, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. The present occurs now. We're no longer under the power of sin. We have an advocate to strengthen us, to get us through our trials and our temptations. And finally, the future. The future aspect of our salvation occurs when that one day when we are removed from the presence of sin, when we are in our eternal home. And in today's scripture from the book of Mark, it continues to look at the future. And in particular, the majority of it is directed at the disciples. It's not necessarily an easy passage to understand. It's not really one of those happy passages where you, you get a good warm feeling from. And there's been a lot of books wrote about this passage or passages like this. A lot of sermons preached and a lot of teaching on the end of times. And they're usually the doom and gloom type messages. And we need to approach this subject with caution, for sure. We can't make the Bible, in particular passages like this, say what we want them to say. And that's true for everything in the Bible. We need to look at what it says in one passage relative to the entire Bible and what the rest of the Word of God says. So here we see Jesus and his disciples. They're leaving the temple, or at least passing by it. Again, with the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels in particular, you have similar passages, similar events that are recorded in, in all three or four of the Gospels at times. Someone makes a comment about the beauty of this temple. And it was built by Herod the Great, and it was quite a sight. It was a very... Magnificent building, to be sure. It had marble pillars that were maybe 40 feet tall. I don't know how tall our bell tower is, but that's probably about 40 feet. So if you, uh, on your way out today, you take a look at that, imagine a marble tower that tall. Beautiful stonework engraved by skilled craftsmen, stonecutters. Gold all around it. And in the entrance to the temple, there was carved a very intricate cluster of grapes that symboled Israel as the people of God. It must have been a sight to see, and that's what the disciples were getting at. Look at this temple. Look at this. They were in awe. But not Jesus. If you remember just a, a few weeks before this, he wept over the city. And he somberly replies to the disciples, the days are coming when this temple will not be left standing, not one stone on top of another. And you know what? That happened. That happened about 
I guess about 40 years later, in A.D. 70, when Rome came and destroyed the temple and destroyed most of Jerusalem, in fact. That happened. Jesus saw where his disciples were going with this. He saw the misplaced religious zeal that they had and the nationalism. He saw where this would lead the people if they went down this road. Even their views of the Messiah were shaped by their concerns about physical things. They wanted a military Messiah. They wanted to overthrow the Romans and set up Israel as the great kingdom. Much like it was under David's rule, and even better than that. That's what they were expecting from the Messiah. And here's this temple where they thought this was all going to happen, where Jesus would rule. And sure, it was a, it was a beautiful temple. And each day it was filled with many people there that were performing several different uh, impressive rituals and doing different things and praying different prayers. But that's not what was going to save them. The one who could save them was right there with them, right in their midst, but only to be himself a temple that they would destroy. And the irony here is that you may recall that one of the chief charges that was brought against Jesus later on when he was brought to trial is that he predicted the destruction of the temple. And they took it to mean that him and his followers were going to destroy that temple, the physical building. So as the disciples are always asking questions, and usually they're asking the wrong questions, and they ask them at the wrong times, they want to know more about what Jesus is talking about, especially when is this going to happen. Jesus starts off by warning them that many will lead them astray, when they ask questions like this, teachers and false messiahs will come in his name, claiming that they have superior knowledge of the end times, even to the point of saying that the end is near. Look, here's this sign. The end is coming. This is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do. We've seen this today as well. Today, some of the preachers uh, say the same thing. The end is coming. You need to be saved. Send me money. And that's not how it works. That's not your salvation. And Jesus, Jesus knows this now. He knew this back then. He simply says, do not go after them. Don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. And the same thing applies today as well. So Jesus warns about these people who claim to know more than they do. Uncertain times cause people to look for messiahs, to look for leaders, to reassure them. But then Jesus goes on to say that there are some things that have to happen before the end comes. It will not come right after the fall of the temple that he just predicted. Neither will it come when they are hearing about wars and rumors of wars. They're not to let such idle talk and speculations terrify them. The end is not yet. Jesus says, before the end, there will be great conflicts between nations. And this will even influence the natural world. But this still is not the end. 
He warns them that far from being taken up to heaven in the rapture, they will suffer. They will be arrested, persecuted, and tried, just like what was about to happen to him. But still, this is not the end. Such times, Jesus says, you are to seek to be delivered from, uh, from this, but to see opportunities to speak on behalf of God's kingdom and God's will. He seeks to reassure them that when those days come, God will be with, with them. God will give them courage in the words that they need to make a good defense and witness. And of course, we have the rest of the story. So we know when this stuff happened in Acts, that's exactly what the disciples did. They stood up and preached the word of God. And they didn't have papers. They didn't have books to read from. They talked about what God, what Jesus talked about while, while they were listening to him, while he was preaching for those three years. And these were uneducated fishermen. And if we remember, the, the learned people, the educated people couldn't believe that these fishermen knew all this stuff because God was with them. Jesus warns them that they would be hated because of their faith, because they go and live by his name. But in the end, they were in God's hand, as we all are as well. And even though the authorities of their time, and as powerful as they were, they could not harm a hair on their heads for eternity. They could kill the body as they did with Jesus. But that was not the end of him, was it? In three days, he rose from the dead. But note how Jesus ends. By standing firm, you will gain life. Meaning continue to work, continue to serve, to be faithful. Do not become distracted by those who mislead you. Keep focused on the work at hand. So we see the future as a major theme in our scripture today. And the emphasis is on faithfulness. Faithfulness in particular in the midst of troubles. Don't let speculations about the future or maybe even just future troubles that are concerning you distract you from your responsibilities of the present. That was God's message. That was Christ's message to his disciples. And that's the message to us today as well. So often we get caught up in, on the troubles of life. And we look back and realize how minor they were. Working in a school district, of course, I hear all kinds of things. And the troubles that concern the middle school or the teenagers about this boy or that girl or this game or whatever are so trivial to us when we hear them. It's so trivial. But to them, it means a lot. And they get caught up in this. We get caught up in those minor troubles of our lives as well. Inconveniences, the annoyances. And sometimes we forget why we're here, what we're supposed to do. And that's simply to glorify God with all that we say, with all that we do. We have God's word. We know what the future holds. We simply need to continue in faithfulness. Just talking about stuff 
prophesying about the future, is not living our lives out in faith, trusting in a God who holds the future in his hands is how we live by faith. Jesus told us to be ready. He wants us to live out our faith. Faith does not mean our lives are going to be perfect. It does not mean our lives will even be comfortable. It does not mean we'll be rich. Faith simply knows that whatever situation we face, God will be with us. And that's also what we talk about with Advent, the waiting, the time of waiting as we come up on that. Emmanuel, God with us. Faith is not worrying about the future. Faith is believing and trusting in God's plan and carrying out his will for your life. So at times, our lives do go from okay from being comfortable to all of a sudden, oh no, we have some discomfort. Our world moves from certainty to uncertainty. And perhaps some of our friends or family turn against us. These are not reasons to reject God, to cease to believe in him. But in fact, it's the opposite. There are times that we are to remind ourselves that Jesus predicted these events. They are times to stand firm in our faith. And that's another theme that we see running throughout our scripture message. And actually, it goes through the book, uh, through the entire chapter of Mark 13. We hear words like be alert, being watchful. Be on your guard. Watch out. Be on guard. Be alert. Keep watch. Will Jesus return? Is he coming back? He said he will. And he is. He is coming back. But before that day comes, he told us what to expect. Jesus calls us to be alert and not to worry even if circumstances are awful. And that's going to happen sometimes. We need to stay on the right path and to live a full life. Some time ago, I heard an interview of Charleston Heston and how he learned to drive that chariot with those four horses in the movie Ben-Hur. And he explained to an interview as, as, as he was talking to him, He said that after many weeks of getting the chariot lessons, he said, I think I can drive the chariot all right, but I'm not at all sure I can actually win the race. The director simply responded, you stay in the race and I'll make sure you win. Isn't that what kind of Jesus says to us? Stay faithful. Stay in that race no matter what happens and you'll win. We'll earn that or win that crown of life. As long as we are with him, we win, we win that race. So that's the challenge for us, not only this week, but every day. The disciples learned to live out their faith one day at a time. And they had a very challenging time, to be sure. So let us follow that example 
of them and other Christians that have gone on before us, trusting, loving, serving, never knowing if this is our last day or not, but being assured that no matter what, God is with us. He has a glorious kingdom waiting for us. He will be back to take us to that place that he has prepared for us. And he's also going to judge those who have not received his gift of salvation. So if you haven't received that free gift as Christ, as Lord, as your Savior of your life, do it today. Don't wait. Whatever your current situation is, we need to remember why we are here, to glorify God, to go into all the world, to spread the gospel, gospel message. And the best tool for spreading the gospel is your life. Does it honor and glorify God? Can people tell you are a Christian by the way you talk and act? While I, I'm certainly not perfect, as none of us are, I don't think anybody after a conversation or getting to know me would be surprised to say, wow, he's a Christian? I don't think anyone would be surprised at that because I do try to live my life. And all Christians, nobody should be surprised. You shouldn't you know, go into a church one day and see someone say, wow, I can't believe they're a Christian because of the way they act. And not to get into to politics, of course, but that's one of the things that, that President Trump, I heard an interview say some time ago. I don't remember what the question was that was asked of him, but it was something to the effect of, what do you think people will be surprised about you the most? And his response was something to the effect of that I'm a Christian. And I thought that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that, that if you're living a Christian life, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And we need to remember that. Remember, no matter how bad things get for us, we know persecution comes to Christians especially before Christ returns. We're not to give up hope. Christ died for our sins. He will come back. We need to keep on living the spirit-filled life. We cannot simply sit around and wait for the rapture. We were put here to do a job, so let's do it to honor and glorify God. Let us close with a prayer. Merciful God, we come before you this day as those who are often afraid to confess all the many ways in which we have failed, that we have disappointed and even maybe betrayed you at times. You have given us continual opportunities to serve and to love others, but we have withdrawn into our own lives at times of selfishness and greed. We've turned our backs on others that are in need. And we have denied the gifts that you have given us. Your voice calls us to turn to you again, to come to you unafraid, to receive forgiveness and healing. So we ask that you open our hearts this day to receive these magnificent blessings. Help us understand the many ways in which you love us and help us share that love 
with all those whom we meet. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.